I'll just come up when you're through. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to uh, take my watch out. Now, this is a Rolex, but it's a knockoff Rolex I picked up, I picked up in Istanbul this summer. <laughs> I have to quantify things. So I'm going to try to keep it uh, up here front and center so that uh, I will save plenty of time for Janine. I will not take out of her time. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I hope this will be a, a time that you'll get to learn more about our marriage. We've been married for 55 years, and we've been at Otter Creek now... 50 years. I have to go back to her for the dates and times and all these other things. So uh, we're proud to be here and we know most of you people and uh, if we don't know most of you people, Dennis, Betsy, all you guys, uh, we look forward to meeting you in the next few years because uh, we're all on a journey together. Okay. Let, let me start off by telling you a little bit about me. First of all, my philosophy. I am a child of the scientific age. That means a form, formula is involved in everything that I think about and do. And I'm, I'm basically a reformed formula person. For example, I say this, if it was sports when I was growing up and somebody said, Steve, you want to be a really good basketball player, you need to practice. Practice and, pra and practice I did. From when the sun came up, if it was a Saturday, until the sun went, I practiced all the time. Nowadays, <coughs> We have been taking dance lessons for, what, se nine years. seven years? Nine. Oh, nine years. Time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> <laughs> You're taking them? Uh-huh, yeah. I, I keep telling them we need to quit, you know, but we're not getting any better. <laughs> in fact, in fact, uh, uh, we're, we're probably in the remedial class of dance lessons. And it, it's really sad to see us trying to dance. But it's a challenge and things that are hard to do. We've never skirted from that. and we So if you want to get good at dancing, you need to practice. Now, I haven't been real good on that. And, and, and a formula. For example, when we're raising children, you need to have a formula. You do this, and you do this, and you do this, and things will turn out great, right? <laughs> and see, that goes back to my background of the scientific mission. I built houses for 50-some years, and I was a land developer for a long time. And when I first started in the business, uh, my dad put me out on the job with a lot, and he said, Steve, you need to build this house as quickly as possible. I had no earthly idea how to build a house. But I soon learned that you did it in steps, formulas. You do this first, then you do this first, this first. And it was a mess the first few times. But, but I soon learned that there was a formula to building a house. And so that's what I did. And even to this day, I teach my children that are house builders also, this is the formula that you have. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> Before I get into my life story there, I, I want to tell you three things that I thought about that were life-changing for me. First of all is marriage, and you'll understand why after you listen to Janine. <laughs> the second event that happened in our life was an adoption. The third event, and uh, I titled it the IRS. <laughs> and, and some of these things were good, and some of these things were very, very painful to me. And there's probably a combination of both in these things. So, 
a little bit about my background. I grew up in Nashville in the Green Hills area, and my dad was a school teacher at Isaac Lee <clears throat> and Hillsborough High School when we first started out. And he became a home builder after I was probably five or six. And we moved every six months. I thought everybody moved every four to five to six months, but we did. My dad would build a house, we'd move in it, he'd sell it, we'd go on to the next one. Oh, the cycle just kept repeating itself. Oh, so I, I, I had roots, but then I didn't have roots. And the same thing applied to my church. My dad was a very smart man, and he thought it was his calling to preach. So he would load up my mother and my three brothers off we'd go out to the country every Sunday and my dad preached. Now, I'd like to say my dad was a really good preacher, but he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but that never stopped him. You know? <laughs> and he would go, he was, he was just actually too smart for his own good. He had so much information that he couldn't get it all out within the allotted hour <laughs> and my mother had little signals to, uh, at church you know maybe a tug on her, whatever it was but my dad was oblivious to them all and he kept on going and, and so we never did have a church home and uh, there was a place there was a few places that we went to more than others and there was a, one church that was in town that we went to and I, it show you how oblivious I was to church life. This was an anti-church, and I had no clue as to what it, what they thought. I was, the only thing I was interested in was Steve Adams and the cute girls that were in the class. That was it. Now, as far as church politics and why we did things and whatever, that was a, that was a, it didn't matter. But, so I did not, I was not rooted in a church. So that was why it was very important to when we came, we were actually, actually at this church and it was anti. So the first Sunday we come back home from college, uh, the preacher got up in the pulpit and, and he said something about, we're so happy to have Steve and Janine Adam that are coming back home to worship with us. And so, in other words, we were we had never never a, a thought about a church, but we automatically became members of that church because we were sitting in the pew that particular Sunday. He placed membership for us. He placed membership for us. <laughs> it wasn't, but a couple of years we figured there, something's not quite right with this church, and, and so we were actually not chased off, but we felt like. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty close, right? <laughs> so, uh, uh, so marriage, that became the first thing in my life. Now, when you look at, we've been married 55 years, and that is a miracle within itself because we're completely opposite in everything. Our viewpoints, our thought process, the way we process information, and everything is completely opposite. So I don't know what to attribute 55 years to, or we could talk about a lot of things, but I contribute to, to her character, basically. <laughs> and because we disobeyed every rule that you learn about getting married, you know, you know, you know be compatible, take your time, measure everything. <laughs> Wrong. I took one look at Janine, and I was smitten. And so that, now, now she had a great character, and, and, and she uh, uh, had great judgment, and she was a very good teacher, but none of that mattered, you understand. I, we were, we did things opposite of way we should. Now, I would never tell, I would, we would always tell our children, make sure you get to know these people. And, and I, I made the throwaway remark a couple of times, well, you know what, you never find the, your life mate in a bar. 
course, we were proven wrong <laughs> once or twice. <laughs> but but things thing, things turned out okay. But we didn't find each other. <laughs> no, we didn't find each other. We found each other at a Christian college. We went to a Christian college, and, and so that's where we found each other. And it wasn't in the bar, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I was deeply embedded in the Church of Christ, so I would never have gone to a bar to, 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 uh, to do my dating life. So I found her. But like I said, we, we were smitten, and we... Uh, got married after just a few months, and it took. I mean, we had our fits and starts and things that uh, we found, soon found out that we were completely opposite, but maybe that made things stronger, I don't know. But, so we were go going along, and, and, and we were a relatively young couple, and, and we tried as hard as we could, quote, to have a family, but nothing to it. In fact, Janine was, uh, 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 the doctor told her she probably was not going to have children. So we started the adoption process, and lo and behold, uh, after several months, uh, we received a call, are you interested in adoption? And we said, of course. So within a, a few, a month or two? How, how long was it before we... Three weeks we found out. Three, three weeks. The baby wasn't born yet. The baby wasn't born. So we, uh, when the baby was born, we, we journeyed to this place to, to get the baby. It's a beautiful, beautiful baby boy. Healthy, blonde, good looking, and everything else. And I, well, the fairy tale now begins. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't very long until we discovered we were relatively compliant children, I would like to say. You know, I, I was, had a mischievous side. She was a preacher's daughter. And she did everything by the book. But having this adopted child who was oppositional to everything that we knew and remember that formula I talked about? If you do this, and do this, and do this, things are going to be great. Well, it wasn't too long that uh, before we realized that what, this formula wasn't working. So, and Steve Adams, if the first formula doesn't work, then you try the second formula, and you'll make it work. And, oh, and, and this went on for a long, 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 with these formulas trying to make things work. And like I said, in the meantime, we were looking for a church home. And so we visited a few places and we came to Otter Creek. And you gotta remember now, uh, Otter Creek was, a, was in Nashville, but it was basically a big country church is what it was. Uh, a, a, a Sunday school class, or the, the, the uh, Buddy Arnold, and it was, it was always a quirky place. Mm -hmm. uh, I want to caution people that that join Otter Creek. <laughs> it's a quirky place, but that kind of, that kind of kind of, kind of made it a, 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 an attraction for me. Now, now when you look back, when we look back, fifty years ago, <laughs> it was it seemed really, it, it was different. So, so we joined, and we we decided we knew that we needed a place that would help us raise our children because we weren't doing a very good job. And it wasn't long before we uh, joined Otter Creek, we found out the eldership they were exactly like us. They had stuff going on in their lives, and you could say, "That's us." And if they've gone through this and they've endured the hard times, we can too. And so that's one of the attractions about Otter Creek. It was a big family. Now, I miss that. So you really have to church, uh, uh, search out people that are like-minded. But I guarantee you, everybody, we're speaking to a certain 
age group, aren't we? We've all done things. We've all gone through stuff, and life is messy. But you can find anybody in this room and uh, say, the same, say the same thing. And I'm thinking back, Charlie Armstrong, Doyle and Rennell Gall. Now there, there was a, that was a track. They still, they were a very attractive, handsome looking couple. But they, they went through hard things with their children too. Nan? I just remember Bernie saying, we just lived hoping that Chip would come back <coughs> and bring Chip. Yeah, and we could all pray the same thing. And um, Chip was a friend of mine. He's strong now. He's strong. <laughs> He's strong. So uh, we came to Otter Creek, and it helped us raise our children. I said, first of all, marriage. That that was a. I need to move on so that you have plenty. Of time. Oh, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> marriage was a strike. Was a landmark part of my life. Adoption and raising a child, a non-compliant child, mind you, a beautiful child, a very very intelligent child, and uh, but hard. <laughs> <laughs> really hard. In fact, I, I, I didn't think, I wasn't going to mention this. Uh, Moment is it last year? This oh, yeah. This particular, he came in there loaded for bear. One Saturday night. One Saturday night, we're minding our own business. <laughs> and he comes in there. He comes to visit. He just calls and says, I'm, I'm coming over. And so we have a, 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 we had to apologize. We talked through a lot of things. We talked through a we lot. We didn't see all of them the same way. <coughs> well, no, but we listened. You know, uh, you listen and you process and you, you know, you, you, you let, that's their viewpoint. Whether it's right or wrong, it's still their viewpoint and so you know, our goal is for reconciliation. Our goal is the same as God, uh, 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 mm -hmm. an eternal life. That's what we want and hope and pray. Mm -hmm. So it, so it's very painful, even after all those years, and you say, oh, he forgives us. And, and, and for the formulas and the way we did things, and, and, and I dare say most of you people have probably done the same thing with your children. You, 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 you know, you, you try to get them to, 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 to uh, a, a walk. Now, it helped. All of our attention was so focused on him that it probably helped hurt our relationship with our other children in so much. 60 to 70 or 80% of our time was taken up but this particular person, now he's a beautiful person, still is. We have a great relationship, and uh, we're very proud of that. But you know, uh, I, I, I assume there'll always be a little bit of a barrier between us. So all you can do is say, well, you know, I'm, we're very sorry if we have uh, uh, done things the wrong way. But in this morning, I was reading in the paper, there's a a new counseling service for <clears throat> children of uh, uh, religious organizations. Yeah. Did you read that? Experience trauma. Experience right? tra quote, trauma. Religious organizations. It's a new thing. <laughs> Our sons both jumped off the balcony together in the yes, old building. Yes, they did. You know, they were just. <laughs> <laughs> we adopted our son too, but it was. <laughs> Everything you're saying is true because it affects your other children too. Yeah. Well, Matt, Matt crowed like a rooster from the balcony in response to something that uh, Brother Ellis said. Yeah, it was it was interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, it, listen, we can tell anecdotes. We don't have time. We don't. We don't have time. <laughs> a lot of them are painful. 
a lot of them are funny, <laughs> but we, 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 we'll, we'll say that we have a good, great relationship to this oh, day. <laughs> How old is he now? He will be 51 in November. 51? Wow. <laughs> and we do have a great relationship with us, and we are still praying that he will have a relationship with God. I have to agree, he is a good looking guy. <laughs> he worked in the ski shops and taught skiing. He's just a He was the only one that got a standing ovation. Only one that got a standing ovation. When he graduated. When he graduated from high school. And from, high school. School. from the oh. teachers. From the teachers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But mine did not show up for graduation. <laughs> <laughs> the service at Otter Creek, no, he didn't come. Yeah. We'd yeah. already moved out. Because he, you know, long story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we could get into all This that. is wonderful. Right. But anyway, we'll, 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 we could take up another class time, maybe a teaching. Hard to deal with children, but well, we won't go to that. Okay, then the other occasion was a number of years ago, I'm minding my own business, taking care of things, and uh, uh, I get a call from the Internal Revenue Service. He said, we want to examine your, uh, I'm, I'm a small businessman, very complicated business, <clears throat> and maybe I wasn't the best, best uh, organizer of my material and everything, but I thought, okay, no problem. We'll just, I had to just turn everything over to them. So just, you know, wheelbarrows full of documents I turned over to them. But I mean, that's what you do. You have nothing to conceal. This is, this is, this is a hard to understand business. And so I did in about six months or so later, they said, We've gone through this audit, and there's some problems. Would you come down and see us? Oh, okay, no problem. Take the rest of my stuff with me and give it to them. And the, the gist of it was that they said, we're going to prosecute you in federal court for income tax charges. And so that was a shock. And I remember, I remember coming to a class about this size with Otter Creek men, and, and we, we need our need prayers because we're going through this this thing. And the government is going to charge me with income tax stuff, and so I'm thinking, well, we'll, we'll, we'll be okay, we'll be okay. So I go see my attorneys and everything, and so they go up to Washington and they say, yeah, you don't want to do this. It's just 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 regular stuff. <laughs> you don't understand, and uh, but they did, and so I'm thinking. We sit in the attorney's office, and I'm thinking. What are what are the odds? They said, when you go to federal court, they have a 98.5 percent chance of winning. <laughs> so it's always a slam dunk when they take it to federal court. And by this time, I, having a strong-willed child and navigating that, and then also navigating attorneys and everything else with IRS was, was very, very stressful, as you can imagine. And so I go, I go to come to Otter Creek, and people, re, I reach out to people, and they say, well, you know, you'll get through this. So long story short, we go to federal court, and L. Clure Morton, no Higgins was the was the, was the judge up there, and so they presented their case, and my attorneys presented our case, and so we're I'm, we're sitting there. So they go out, the jury goes out, thinking ninety eight point nine five percent chances of me losing, and, but you know I I, I could I, you know I couldn't. Uh, Get, well, it was very, very hard, and so the jury goes out, and so after, what, 
five or six hours? Well, there was, um, it went to the jury on a Friday afternoon, but this was Memorial Day weekend, and so it, they held off and, and came back on Tuesday. Um, you can imagine the state that we were in that weekend. Um, pretty hopeless, pretty hopeless. But they came back on Tuesday. But through it all, Doyle Gall or Nell Gall were there. Jerry Collins was there. Jerry Collins was there. And uh, Bud and Bernie. Bud and Bernie and everybody. And I we just felt the power oh. in the courtroom. Because they were sitting way back there, but they sat through most of the trial, which was it took about a week. About a week. And so you can imagine the stress that I'm under from Friday till Tuesday. And so the jury sits for a while, then they come back and I stand and they said, Not guilty. Three times. And I'm thinking you know, we're all guilty of something. <laughs> but isn't it great to uh, 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 realize that you are not, and other people agree with you. And so I'll never forget the support that we had from Hotter Creek. And that's one of the strengths. And I've always made the pledge, if anybody gets in trouble at Hotter Creek, I'm going to be there. Uh, you know, who wants to sit through a week's stuff in federal court? But I'll be there because that's just who we are and the support. And so uh, we had the biggest party you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and so there you have it. What do you think? I don't know if I can speak after this. <laughs> um. Steve will never <coughs> will never share with me what he's going to say when we speak, <laughs> which kind of catches me off guard. Because um, I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I know. He doesn't know, and, and I usually do uh, sort of have uh, an idea of what I'm going to say. So anyway. Um, it's hard to summarize 75 years and 75 years in a classroom time. But I've been thinking about some things that I want to share with you. And um, <clears throat> I'm actually going to share some things that I've never shared before publicly. And so I'm going to ask that you hold these parts of my story with grace. Um, if there's anything you don't understand or you think I'm crazy and want to talk to me about it afterwards or anytime, I'll be glad to. Um, but I, I very humbly want to share some things with you. So I'm going to go pretty quickly, and I need to keep a watch on my time too. <clears throat> um, so I wanted to tell you a little bit about my background. Um, I was born on March the 15th, 1948, in southwest Missouri. And my parents named me June Janine Gilmore. They went back and forth. They didn't think Janine June sounded right, although they planned to call me Janine. And y'all know what, it hap what happens when you go by a different name than your first name. It's all, always kind of confusing. The June was after a friend of my mother's, <clears throat> someone that she worked with. I always, when I get nervous, I just start, my throat just starts going crazy. <clears throat> and the Janine is after an old song back from the uh, 1930s that my dad loved called Janine, I Dream of Lilac Time. <clears throat> so my father was Eugene Gilmore and he graduated from George Pepperdine University College then with a degree in music. And um, when I was born, he was a music teacher, a high school music teacher. <coughs> and from him, 
I learned to love music. In fact, I learned music. I learned how to read music. Uh, my dad went and he taught singing schools at little churches, shaped note singing. And um, so I learned that. And I also learned his love of books. Um, dad said, books are my friends. And that's how I feel. And we both do the same thing, uh, which people in our family think is hysterical, and it is. We underline everything. You know, if there's something that's not important, there might be one or two things we don't underline. Um, my mother, Wilma Dabbs Gilmore, she was an amazing homemaker. She made homemaking and being a mother look wonderful. Um, I learned how to cook and sew, and I learned about loving children. Probably the greatest thing I learned from my mother was the importance of listening to our children and to our spouses and our friends. So my mother was very sick. She had preeclampsia, I think, when I was born. I was born three weeks early, but nevertheless, I came home from the hospital. We came home from the hospital, and when I was five days old, she took me to church, uh, to the West Union Church of Christ, and her father, Lauren Dabbs, my grandfather, was preaching that Sunday. Now, if you heard Mother tell the story, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Um, if you heard Mother tell the story, you would think that I was fully awake and aware and taking notes. <laughs> we all know that was not true. But that was the beginning of my religious education, and we went every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. And the only time that we didn't go, I think it was a Sunday night, my sister and I got to finally see the wonderful world of Disney. We were so sick with a stomach virus that we were hanging off the sofa. So it did no good to see it. So a, a while back, Steve was talking about our life to a group, and he said that I was born Church of Christ. And that pretty well describes um, the situation. I was born into a very conservative Church of Christ family, and I was in that bubble, and I stayed in that bubble um, until I went to college. Um, and I will, I'm a, I'm a perfectionist. I'm, I'm a one on the Enneagram. I wanted to please my parents, and I wanted to please God. And this was what I knew. Um, so gradually, I moved out of that bubble. But I do want you to know that I, have, I, I hold that as something very valuable, that starting place. And I don't take it lightly when people trash talk about the Church of Christ. I really don't. There were things that weren't right, but there were so many things that were right. And I don't really take it lightly if people trash talk about other churches either. You know, we are beginning to be in the minority, other as in the Baptists and the Methodists and the Catholics. In our culture today, we are beginning to be very much in the minority. If we believe in Jesus, we need to join hands and support each other. Um, okay, so Dad preached at small congregations on the weekends, just like Steve's dad, um, only he was pretty good at it. Um, and so we went to those little places, and it was so, such a fun outing. And we stayed all day because it was too far to go home, and we ate lunch with people there and sometimes had dinner on the grounds. <clears throat> and I have so many, I have so many happy memories. You know, what can you say about a mother who can take a little bit of nothing and make something beautiful out of it, who makes every little dress that you wear? And what can you say about being tucked in at night with your sister and having a father with a beautiful tenor voice sing the Lord's Prayer as your bedtime prayer? Um, so there was a lot of really special times. But I just want to be honest with you, and I want to tell you that there was a dark cloud over our family. And no, nobody knew about it but us. 
but there was the dark cloud of depression over our family. And my father particularly had uh, struggled his whole life with depression. And I'm not an expert, maybe Carol could <laughs> speak to this, but I, it, it's my opinion he had a chronic depression, but he also had several, um, many acute uh, episodes of depression. And so I bring this up because even though we say that we're really open, I, I still think that mental health issues are things that we're not really, there's still a stigma and there's still a shame attached and we don't know what to do with that. Um, <clears throat> but here's the thing. My parents were very courageous in looking for help. My dad wasn't the only one. Two others in our family of six also struggled with depression. So they did what they could to seek out help. But when you are a humble little Church of Christ preacher and you are afraid that you might lose your job if anybody finds out what's happening in your home, it's really hard. So when I speak to young women, I tell them, when anyone in your family has a problem, whatever it is, uh, a really hard, difficult problem, um, a learning disability, an illness, whatever it is, a mental health issue, the whole family has a problem that needs to be dealt with. Um, okay, let me see where I am. Okay, I'm, I'm watching. <coughs> so, um, I'll have to speed up. I'll have to start going faster like that train down the mountain. Um, no one chooses to have depression. No one. Just like no one chooses to have diabetes or cancer or blindness. No one makes that choice. So we really need to be very, um, very kind and very gentle with these people. Um, and I just want to say that I believe in therapy. I believe in medication. I believe in Christian friends who support and encourage. Um, and I'll, I'll also throw in this, which is kind of, kind of addresses mental health, but spiritual health. Uh, I believe in freedom prayer and I found it to be a huge blessing personally in my life. Okay, so I'm gonna go a little bit further. There were four children in my family I promise this is going to get happier, <laughs> but not for a minute. There are four children in my family. My sister Joyce, who's three years younger than me, and she lives in California. And she is an ordained minister in the Congregational Church slash United Church of Christ. You can imagine how well that went over. <laughs> my sister Lois is 10, 10, 11 years younger. She lives in Virginia. She started out as a social worker and then she was a preschool teacher and then she was a preschool director. And guess what? She's a Presbyterian. <laughs> now for the really hard part. Um, my mother died on January 17th, 2010. And my father died on January 18th, tw um, 2012. And those were really hard moments, really difficult moments. And, and to be honest, we, and we don't have, it would take all day, um, caregiving for adult parents can be very difficult and very challenging, and it was in our case. But we had a brother. His name was David, and he struggled with all kinds of issues for most of his life. I know some of them. Most of them I don't think I do. So 12 years ago, um, sometime between October the 3rd and October the 12th, our brother took his own life. And it was devastating. And I was at home, I was taking care of grandchildren, 
and the phone call came. Steve came home to get them. I headed to Murfreesboro. My son-in-law met me there. And I had to walk into an assisted living and tell my 90-year-old father that his worst nightmare had come true. So that was a, a difficult time. Um, we prayed, we read scripture, and we sat in silence. And we determined between our family that we would live through it and we would go on. Okay, enough hard stuff. I want to go back to some more lighter stuff, go back in time. Um, my dad felt called to preach, and at first he still taught school, and we, um, you know what, Church of Christ preachers, um, they have the, um, the job security of football coaches. We moved every two and a half or three years, and so, in fact, when my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, they had lived in 22 places in 50 years. So we moved all over, Missouri, Oklahoma, Kansas, Texas. And Steve always tells people, I'm a Texan. I'm really not. I'm from southwest Missouri. That's where my people are. But I did graduate from high school at Burt Burnett, Texas. And I went in for my counseling session with the guidance counselor in uh, the spring of my junior year. And she said, you know, you could graduate this year. You only have two classes to take, and you could do those by cor correspondence course. She said, do you want to do that? And I said, no, I don't. And I went home, and I told my parents, and they said, yes, we think that sounds like a good idea, and probably for multiple reasons. Um, probably because my sister was going to be coming up and getting ready for college, and it would have overlapped. I don't know. But anyway, um, so I went to Oklahoma Christian College, and I, I can just tell you that I was not ready to go to college. I was 17 until March of my freshman year, and I was lonely, and I was very immature, and, um, and I had to work 20-plus hours a week. Um, which didn't leave a whole lot of time for studying. Um, one of the highlights of my college experience was singing in the different ensembles on campus, the chorale, the main chorale, which had been a, um, something that I'd looked forward to my, for a long time, probably since I was in fifth grade, and several other groups. And so that was wonderful. But the best thing that happened to me was meeting Steve. And... Um, and we had a whirlwind romance. He came the year after I started, and um, I met him kind of towards the end of his freshman year, but I don't think he remembers meeting me at that point in time. Um, and we started dating in September of his sophomore year, my junior year. It's kind of embarrassing. We got engaged in December. We got married in May. And I, I attribute our life together to the faithfulness of God. Um, and also, we were both really stubborn. We would have never, we would have never thrown in the towel. Um, and our parents wouldn't have let us if, if we tried to. But anyway, so we got married at 20. And um, I just, you know, I don't think we say enough good things about are godly men. Women get so much um, encouragement, but we need to encourage our men. Um, and I'll tell you what, he's not perfect, but he has been so patient with me and he's encouraged me. He's given me opportunities to grow as an individual. We've worked together as a team. One time Matt was dating this girl and they broke up and she wrote me this letter and she said, I just loved your family. I think she loved our family more than she loved Matt. And she said the way you work together as a team on anything. And he's done everything. I tell people he did everything that I ever did except he never could figure out breastfeeding. 
But anyway, so we, we, we did, um, we went to Green Hills Church of Christ. He told you about that. The minister placed membership for us. My first crisis of faith was wanting to have a child and not having, being able to have a child for a while. He told you about that. Um, and so the good news is we did adopt Matt. And then we were able to, we had some immaculate conceptions. And we had three other children. So we have Matt, we have Stephanie, we have Michael, we have Sarah. And um, we have our son-in-law, Robbie, at Brentwood Hills. We have Donna, who's Michael's wife. And we have a really special and unusual situation. Matt and his wife, Christy Beth, decided to get a divorce. But we decided we weren't going to divorce her. And she decided she wasn't going to divorce us. So, you know, it is what it is, but it, it's better than the alternative, and we're thankful for her. Um, so we came to Otter Creek, and the thing that attracted me was Buddy Arnold because of the music, the beautiful music. I love that. And also because I saw all these women that I knew, I knew they could help me. Many of them had foster children, adopted children, several children, and so that was just a huge blessing. Oh, I forgot to tell you, we have six grandchildren, but I'll have to tell you about them another time. But, you know, the other day I was having lunch with um, Del Wilcher, and we just started going down memory lane. I mentioned to her that I had found a letter that uh, Charlie Brandon had written us at the time of Steve's becoming an elder the first time. It was in May of 1996. And just how touched I was to read this letter. It was a three-page letter. And he, at the bottom, he wrote out a prayer for us, the two of us, and a scripture. And I'm going to share that with all the elders um, in the near future. But what we found, and Dale was, I mean, Dale just got kind of teary-eyed, and I did too, because we started talking about Bud and Bernie and John and Ruth Rucker and um, Jack and Virginia Carnes and Charlie and Martha Brandon, we started talking and Dell said, oh, Janine, this is our cloud of witnesses. And they've gone on before us, but we still have a cloud of witnesses here. And like Steve said, I'm thankful. They've been with us through thick and thin. They've been with us in the joyous times and they've been with us in the deepest sorrows. Um, they've been with us at the funeral home. They've been with us at the hospital. Um, they sat with us at the courthouse. Um, what can you say about faithful people like that? So anyway, quickly I'll say, you know, I just really had almost a midlife crisis when we were going through this stuff with the IRS. And I came one day and I sat down, I came into his office and I sat down on his lap and I said, why? I mean, we had multiple layers of problems that we were dealing with. And he said, well, this is a scripture that I was reading. I don't know if you remember this. We felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we would not rely on ourselves, but on a God who raises the dead. So that was a verse that we held on to. Um, I am getting to the end, believe it or not. So I want to just tell you that um, another really significant thing for me was in this time, I had read all of these self-help books, and they didn't help. There might be one thing or one thing here. you know, They didn't help. And so I was driven to the Word. And, you know, we talk about how we are people of the Word. Well, we are a bit prideful on that. Some of us are people of the word, but not very many of us. And I had, I'd been in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but I had not really been into the word. So I got into the word, and then I went to Bible study fellowship. And I know this is not the kind of study for everybody. It's a study. There are lots of good ways to study the Bible. It's the thing that just happened to click with me at the time, and it blessed me in so many ways, and I won't even go into all of those ways. But then we decided to start something similar here, and, and they asked me to lead it because I was the only one who'd been a leader in Bible Study Fellowship. And we, we didn't feel confident to get up like Sandy and teach just from the Word, 
So we use the Bethmore and the different packaged Bible studies. There again, it's a way of studying the Bible. It's not the only way. So anyway, that was very significant in my life. I was a caregiver to four of my grandchildren, which was wonderful. And then I was a caregiver for my parents, which was bittersweet, but was an honor. Um, now what I'm involved in is a mentoring group, an IF group, with Janet Carruthers leading. We have four young women, uh, half my age. Um, it, it's a very special group. We've been together for four years. And out of that group of four, one woman came to me and said, I never studied the Bible growing up. She never went to church and she never studied the Bible. Will you teach me the Bible? And I said, yes, I will. And so we started and we spent two years on the Old Testament. And it was a, a very meaningful, uh, it was very meaningful to me. Um, so I have another young woman that I teach as well. So my hobbies, reading, scrapbooking, decorating my home, baking, strength training, piano lessons, writing my story, and dancing with my darling husband. So we're like most of you, not Allison, she's a young woman, but we're like most of you, we're on the home stretch. And we realize we are on the home stretch, but we are determined that we want to finish strong. And I no longer, I'm still a per perfectionist. But I know I'm not, I'm not having to earn my way. You know, grace is something we learned at Otter Creek. There were so many, I had that in my notes, but I left that out. But um, anyway, I'm not working my way to heaven. But because of God's infinite love and the love of his people, I want to respond to that. There's an old song. You, some of you will know it. My young women wouldn't. It begins like this. My stubborn will at last hath yielded. I would be thine and thine alone. And this the prayer my lips are bringing. Lord, let in me thy will be done. And here's the part that just blows me away. Sweet will of God. Still Fold me closer till I am wholly lost in thee. Sweet will of God, still fold me closer till I am wholly lost in thee. Thank you all. I love this group.